Welcome to Well Connected by Murad's podcast series, Why Is No One Talking About? Where experts and insiders cover hot topics related to mind, body, food, and of course, skin that are under the radar, taboo, or unexplored. I'm Allison Hayslip, and today we are talking about the global epidemic of stress. Even if stress doesn't immediately come to mind when you think of epidemics. The American Psychological Association conducts an annual Stress in America survey. Its most recent findings from fall of 2022 found over a quarter of adults polled said that most days they were too stressed to function. And 76% reported that they had experienced at least one symptom of stress in the last month, including headaches, fatigue, and feeling depressed. The World Health Organization defines stress as any type of change that causes physical, emotional, or psychological strain. Stress is your body's response to anything that requires attention or action. And as we know, stress can stem from emotional or physical changes, and it can also cause them. We see the effects of stress reflected in everything from blood pressure to skin health to mental well-being. Luckily, many people around the world have recognized this crisis and are fighting back like the organization Active Minds, for starters. They are working in over 1,000 campuses and communities to impact young adult mental health in particular. And they are partnering with Murad, which we will hear more about. We are so excited today to talk with Allison Malman, the founder of Active Minds. Hey, Allison. Hi, Allison. It's really great to be here. I feel like that's going to be this whole podcast. So, Allison. Yes, Allison. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Let's start big picture. Active Minds is all about helping young adults reduce stress. So I'm curious to get your take. Are we talking about stress and mental health enough? You know, I really don't think you can talk about stress or mental health enough. The more you talk about how you're feeling, really the more you ask people how they're doing and, and really vocalize what's going on in your world, the stress that you might be feeling, it helps to destigmatize mental health and destigmatize mental illness, and it helps us all to cope a little bit better. So are we talking about it more than we used to? Absolutely. Could we be doing more? Absolutely. And we need to continue to talk about this more and more before we're even in crisis. And when we're just dealing with everyday life and everyday stressors, we need to keep talking about it. Absolutely. For sure. I mean, there's obviously been a huge shift in how we talk about this. I mean, I even remember as a kid, you never talked about if you were stressed, you weren't. It was like, well, fine, whatever. Deal with it. You know, you never actually had a conversation about it. So when you look at the community that you serve in your organization, Would you say that stress levels are getting any better or is it possibly getting worse? Well, you know, even before the pandemic, mental health issues have been on the rise, especially among youth and young adults globally. We have always needed more attention to this issue and more funding to address it and more focus on it. The pandemic certainly has has not made that any better. And so stress levels certainly are continuing to be a major factor in the well-being of, of everybody that we're working with and everybody in America. We need to be partnering with youth and young adults to learn more about the contributors to their stress and how we can better support them and what we can continue to do to alleviate so much of the stress that people is, are really feeling. I mean, this sounds amazing too, just for young adults in general. I mean, going to college specifically can be just one of the most stressful times of your life because you're truly learning how to transition from being a kid into an adult. And then on top of that, you're supposed to basically plan your entire career and what the rest of your life is going to look like. So I would imagine 
well, I mean, I know from going to college, but the stress levels there are extremely high. But what you're encountering, being able to talk with these communities, do you see stress affecting these young adults in a similar way to how you experienced it when you were of that age? Or does it seem to be hitting them even harder these days? I mean, I think there's no question that there are different stressors that are impacting young adults now than I even experienced. And you know, a lot of people will jump to the rise in social media and other media. Youth and young adults are also stressed about the climate and about social justice issues and other things that maybe naive me or maybe just 20 plus years ago, we just didn't talk about issues that we weren't facing. And certainly what that means, that general transition from youth to young adulthood to being on your own, figuring out your your life path and plan has been something that, that many, if not most of us, have been dealing with for a while. But there are also uh, additional stressors that young adults are facing right now that I would say I never even thought about when, when I was their age. And I think certainly has increased across the board for an entire generation over the past few decades. So what was the impetus behind starting this organization and and why did you choose to work with young adults specifically at the community level? So I've always really been thoughtful about and thinking about the the well-being of people around me. And, And the impetus for me was when I was a freshman in college myself, my only sibling, my brother Brian, died by suicide. Mm. Brian's four years older than me, and so I had always kind of been following in his path as we were growing up. And what happened with him is that in his, when he was in college, he started struggling with his mental health, and he hid it, though. He kept it from me, from my parents, from his friends, because he was ashamed. He thought he was the only one struggling, because everybody around him was kind of showing this facade of having, you know, a great time and and being perfect and everything being great. And Brian thought that there was something wrong with him, that the mental health challenges that he was feeling, the stress, the depression that he was experiencing was unique and there was something wrong with him. So he hid it from all of us for most of his college career. And then he finally went and sought help from his counseling center, came home, took a leave of absence from his school, but, but ended up taking his life about a year and a half after that. And so I really kind of started thinking about that time that he had been struggling without feeling comfortable telling anybody and feeling like he was alone and feeling like it was his fault and reflecting on the fact that, you know, he uh, he and I were really similar people. And if it had been him, you know, since that happened to him, it could have been me. And I dove into research and learned that actually the the vast majority of mental health struggles and stressors begin in youth and young adulthood. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that he started struggling with his mental health when he was in early college is pretty typical, actually. And I learned at that point that suicide is the second leading cause of death for youth and young adults, and yet nobody was talking about these issues. And even more importantly, Brian had no role models of people out in the world saying, hey, I also deal with stress, or I also have bipolar disorder disorder or whatever it may be. And I'm also thriving. And that mental health disorder that I might deal with or the struggle that I might have doesn't define me. And so that is what really prompted me to start what was first a student group on my campus. I was at the University of Pennsylvania to get other students and young adults talking about mental health and and opening up a conversation about mental health. And the other piece that I knew was really important was that not only did Brian need to hear this messaging, he needed to hear it from peers. It wasn't enough that my mom is a clinical social worker. It wouldn't have been enough necessarily if our counseling center had done a session during one of his classes, but it needed to be peer-to-peer, hey, I've dealt with this too, or somebody teaching his friends about what to say to him if they, if they were struggling 
that that kind of conversation what was really needed for for him and, and would have been needed for me. And so after I graduated from Penn, I launched the nonprofit in order to develop and support other chapters of that student group. And I think really even more importantly, to mobilize the next generation to think and talk about mental health differently in America than how other generations necessarily have. Because we do have a, a group of youth and young adults who are social justice-minded and really see mental health as a topic that they want to talk about. And we may not have been taught it in health classes, and it may not have been the thing that we've talked about, you know, in our childhood, those of us who are, you know, not young adults right now, but but that's changed. And so Active Minds is really focused on this community approach to mental health by mobilizing young adults to change the culture around mental health and start having these open, honest conversations, not waiting for crisis to occur so that everybody, including people like my brother Brian, know that it's not their fault and feel comfortable reaching out for help, whatever that help is for them, as soon as they need it. And we don't wait until tragedy or crisis occurs um, in order to be able to reach out for that help. You know, and Brian's story is is a story of thousands of young people who suffer in silence who, despite their large numbers, think that they are totally alone. And, and we know that the majority of mental illnesses start between the ages of 14 and 24 when teens and young adults are in school. And this peer-to-peer connection is just so vitally important to change this narrative and change this culture and get people the support that they that they need and that they deserve. Yeah. First off, I'm so sorry for your loss, but what a testament to how you've been able to turn tragedy into something so incredible and so needed. Let's get into the minutia a bit because we're focusing on stress here. So what do you think the difference is between stress and more serious diagnosable mental health conditions? How do you define stress compared to clinical diagnosable things? Yeah. Well, uh, the first thing that I want to start within that question is to let everybody know that whether or not what you're dealing with is diagnosable, you deserve to reach out for help for it. So we live in a society where it's like, once I have an illness or once I have a problem, I should talk to somebody about it. But you know, we go to the doctor for the doctor to tell us if we have strep throat or not. We don't wait until we know we have strep throat until we go to the doctor, right? So so we need to approach mental health in the same way. So I think it's really important to understand the difference between stress and anxiety, but also for everybody to know that the moment that it's impacting your life, you deserve to talk to somebody about it. And, yes. you know, maybe that's a therapist or maybe that's that's a family member or friend or a pet or whatever it may be. But it's all real, even if it may not be a diagnosable mental illness. So that's first and foremost. It's something that's really important for me to say. But I think as we look at the difference between stress and anxiety, stress is a response to a threat, a situation, a person, an interaction. Anxiety is a reaction to the stress. It mm. tends to be more long-term and more chronic. It's different and a little more serious than stress, which is adaptive and can be protective. You know, something like stress before a test or a big game helps our body and mind to focus or perform, for example. But unrelated anxiety or persistent stress can be debilitating. And so that's a, it's a good way to look at the difference between the two. And, and it is the case that, you know, a, a natural, healthy piece of stress and anxiety is part of our everyday. And I think especially when we look at young adults, when they're talking about the stress before tests or or the, the stress of being a youth and young adult, like that that's normal, yes. But also nothing that impacts your everyday is something that you should have to deal with on your own. And there are clinical anxiety disorders that are related to stress and anxiety is a real mental illness if, if that is something that, that you might be dealing with. Right. Stress is a way in the most, I think, 
typical terms to let us know that something's important, you know, so we care about something and we'll stress about it, which is fine. But you're right. If it becomes something that's starting to affect how we're operating in our daily lives, that's when we all should be having some sort of outlet to talk to, talk to someone or yeah. something along those lines. And my gosh, if you are someone who can operate in a world without stress affecting your daily lives, more power to you. Right. <laughs> it's, it is so true. It's so true. <laughs> All right. So, you know, we're, we're a podcast from Murad, which is a skincare brand. So we are, of course, going to talk about skin. Yeah. So Murad's founder, Dr. Murad, he has always emphasized that for healthy skin, it's not just about the products. You have to eat well, you have to exercise well, sleep well, and stress less. That's a big part of it. And that can help you achieve your best skin health. So I'm wondering, how do you see the relationship between the physical and the mental when it comes to stress? You know, our, our consistent message at Active Minds, which is amplified by our 15,000 young adults who are part of Active Minds each year, is that mental health needs to be talked about as easily as physical health. Only then can we bring suicide and mental health into the open so no one struggles alone. And I think so often we separate the two things and we say, you know, this is one thing and this is another. No, it's all part of us. It's all part of our well-being. And whether it's in our mind or it's on our body, it all affects who we are and how we present and how we feel about ourselves. And so you can't, in my opinion, talk about one without the other. And it's critical to talk about them both um, and how connected the two of them are. It's great hearing you say all this. I, I just recently watched, it's a documentary on Netflix called Stuts. Have you heard about this? It's Jonah Hill interviewing his therapist. And what you just said is a big part of what he talks about because he talks about as a, as a kid really struggling with his weight. And he was only ever told that he had to lose weight to be thin, to look better. And he's like, now as an adult, I understand that it's more about, he's like, if it had ever been broached to me that you will feel better mentally just to be a healthier human being, that would have changed everything. And just, it was really fascinating hearing him talk about it. it's the way we word things or the way we approach stuff it really affects how we look at physical and mental issues that we all deal with. Now, Dr. Murad talks a lot about all this. He talks a lot about the idea of, of cultural stress. I mean, he literally wrote a book called Conquering Cultural Stress. The idea that modern living, like being addicted to technology, looking at screens and being too sedentary has raised our stress levels a ton. So what is your take on that? You know, I think even as you were talking about before, there are so many elements of what's going on out in our world that impact our well-being. And language is a big piece of it too, right? And as you said, how we talk about these issues and what we're surrounded by and, and all of those elements. And I think, you know, culture can be defined in so many ways, but it is clear that we need to be talking about mental health differently. We need to be addressing our well-being differently. And I think that's a really important piece of it. And that's how we can address this kind of cultural stress that we're talking about. When it comes to stress and mental health, it can sometimes feel a bit superficial to talk about one's skin because it's like, oh, really, that's what you're worried about, your skin. But I mean, we all know through countless studies and conditions like acne and psoriasis, they, they can truly impact someone's mental health. And stress itself can also have a negative effect on your skin, causing a range of conditions like eczema, rosacea, inflammation, and more. So what are your thoughts on this, especially since you work with so many colleges and universities and people of an age who this, their skin is important to them. 
Yeah. I mean, stress clearly can have such a major impact on your overall health. Um, and that's why we're proud of our partnership with Murad to bring our Stress Less Week program to college campuses across the country this spring and next fall. Stress Less Week supplies education, tips, and resources designed to help young adults better understand and mitigate stress while helping to shape a positive mental health culture around their community. Part of what we need to do in, in our culture is to understand, accept who we are, recognize where we have challenges and where we succeed, and, and really internalize it all and, and figure out how we can lessen the stress in our lives to in order for us to be our best selves. And being our best self looks different for everybody, and it's addressing whatever the issues are that any one of us is dealing with. But the more we can address these stressors, the more that we can talk about it, the more we don't own it and, and sit with it on our own, the more we're able to be our best selves. And that's one of the things that we're really proud of to be doing in partnership with Murad. That's awesome. So th- that's Stress Less Week. But you have a bunch of different programs, too. There's Send Silent Packing and, and Active Mind Speakers. What do each of these different programs do and, and why do you have such a wide variety of programs as opposed to focusing on one thing? Yeah. So both Send Silence Packing and Stressless Week are programs that reach a wide audience and help us in our mission to destigmatize mental health. Our chapter model, very similar to that, you know, first chapter that I had started at Penn has grown now to hundreds of campuses. And it's one of our most impactful programs. According to a study actually performed by the Rand Corporation, the presence of active minds on college campuses significantly increases the number of students who receive help for mental health issues. And those mental health issues that could otherwise have serious lasting and sometimes tragic consequences. And what Rand found was that sheer presence of active minds improves attitudes around mental health, decreases stigma, and really improves help-seeking behaviors and gets people reaching out for help that they need. And so that's something that we're really proud of. Over the next five years, we are excited to build on that data and that study and and, um, extend the Active Minds programs to K-12 schools so that we can mobilize youth and young adults in high schools as well as colleges to promote mental health in their communities. Um, So those are some of our most well-known and understood and uh, impactful programs that we have at Active Minds. I got to ask, what did you major in at Penn? Because <laughs> you seem so geared for exactly what you're doing. And I'm like, is this something that you were sort of what was your major? I'm just curious as to what you thought you were going into. <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. So I actually, I majored in psychology and sociology. Um, so Perfect. not that far <laughs> off. Yes. But, but I always knew I didn't want to go into clinical work. And so I never really knew what that would look like. And, and you're right. I mean, I, I certainly, when my brother died in my freshman year, that impacted my life, my entire life. So I don't really know what I would have done had he not passed away. But this intersection of who we are as individuals and how we interact with each other has always been something that's been really, really of interest to me. And so I I feel in some way very fortunate that I have found something that I care so deeply about and that we can see some success in. So, you know, the impact is needed and there's a lot of work ahead of us. And so I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. So if stress is actually an epidemic, as we are calling it, why aren't more companies promoting self-care and mental health as a priority at work, you know, especially after the last two plus years that we went through? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think, you know, I can't underscore stigma around mental health is real, especially in the workplace. And it's only been 
recently that we've started breaking the stigma and started talking about mental health in a way that we've just never done before. I'm going to credit this next generation youth and young adults who are mobilizing around mental health and talking about it differently as they continue to impact their communities and as they continue to age up into college and into workplaces, they're, they're forcing their communities to change in a really important way. But, you know, as it is right now, talking about mental health can still be seen as a weakness in some workplaces, but we're really seeing positive movements to to change that narrative. We have an initiative actually at Active Minds called Active Minds at Work that we work with companies of all sizes and from all industries to bring tailored mental health training to their workforces, to give the tools, to integrate mental health into the workplace and to have everyday conversations about mental health in the same way that we've been doing in schools and, and colleges. And so... It's not perfect yet, but again, we're making progress, and I think every little piece of that progress is going to be really useful as we change one person's mind, which can change another person's approach, which can change another person's family, and and that's how we're really going to change this narrative around mental health and getting people talking about it as openly as we talk about all other health issues and all other social justice issues that we see out there. And what a perfect launching pad that you've created being so focused on college-aged people that you're empowering them to be comfortable speaking up about this stuff and understanding the self-care that they need. And then you're right, going into their workplaces and being like, no, I understand what I need and you should be supporting this. We slowly make change generation by generation. So if someone might not have access to expensive therapy or, or even have someone to talk to, unfortunately, what are some resources you suggest to help young adults mitigate their stress levels? I think one of the things that I want to continue to underscore is how important it is for all of us just to be there for each other. Again, if we take that kind of health model, when somebody has hurt their ankle or, you know, fell down during a sport with a hurt knee, we don't all just walk away and wait for the a doctor to be the only person to help. No, we're going to help that person stand up and be their crutch and walk them over to the trainer or if there happens to be one on the field or take them to the doctor. And we can play that role in mental health too. Just being there for somebody is a really important piece of um, how we can support each other. At Active Minds, we like to say that you don't have to be an expert to help. You just need to be there. And I think we can practice that too. So if you have somebody in your life who is struggling, you can come up to them and ask, say, are, are you okay? Do you want to talk about it? Can I call the counseling center for you? Can I walk over or sit in the waiting room while you have a therapy appointment? Those are ways that you can really show your presence and your support without having to be that clinical help. Nobody expects you to be the person who's going to reset somebody's you know, broken ankle, but you can be the one that helps them get into that care and, and the same way with mental health. But you know, I also know that it can be difficult to start having those conversations. We haven't really been taught how to have those conversations yet, which is, again, something that Active Minds is really working to change. We've created a, a tool at Active Minds called VAR, Validate, Appreciate, Refer. And that's our tool for navigating everyday conversations around mental health. So V, validate, is to validate feelings. Let somebody know that what they're feeling is okay and you believe them and you would be surprised at how, how impactful that is and how few of us actually do that. Rather than when somebody's struggling saying, oh, but at least you didn't have this happen or, well, I had it much worse last year. No, it's just a validate. I hear you and I believe you. That is so important. Right? Yes. I mean, and yes. it's just, it and really we all is. have a tendency to want to minimize because we think it's helping somebody or right. it's it's showing how hard we've had it or somebody else has had it. But 
But th- that's not what it's about. We're not trying to one-up each other in our stresses. We're trying just to validate experiences and say yeah. that whatever you're feeling is real. And I hear you and I believe you and I'm here for you in that. And you're not wrong for feeling it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's a huge piece because, you know, even as you were talking about earlier, Allison, like we all have guilt when we feel not okay because we think, gosh, why do I have any right to feel this way? I have all these things or I haven't had it as bad as other people. But in reality, you feel the way you feel. Ugh, you are in my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, it, you know, and, and, and I also, I, I'm in my own head too, right? Like yeah. I've gone through all of this too and we all do. But it's so hard to to feel okay not being okay. And that V in, in VAR is really just about letting people know like whatever they are feeling, like that's okay that they're feeling it and you're here for them in whatever their feeling is. And then A is appreciating that they're sharing it, right? It's really hard to vocalize this stuff, as you said. And I think about often in my brother's situation, he kept it all in because the moment in his mind he told somebody about it, he wasn't going to live up to the standards that he had set for himself at that right. point, right? He was not going to be that star student and young adult and brother and son and all friend that he had been the moment in his mind that he told somebody he was struggling. And so just to appreciate like, hey, like, thanks for sharing that with me. That that must have been really hard. Or I feel really honored that you can share that with me. Because that is, it's, it's privilege to hear somebody struggle. And then the R of VAR is refer. And refer is referring to skills and support. So for some people, it is therapy. And, and especially if you're in a school, you're going to guidance counselor, going to the counseling center, you have access to clinical care in that way. If it's a crisis, there is the 988 crisis prevention line that anybody can call at any time. Sometimes, though, it's like, hey, do you want to go for a run? (laughs) Or Mm. what would be helpful to you right now? So you don't always have to know what the thing is that somebody needs. You can ask the question of like, what would be useful to you right now? How can I be supportive to you? And that VAR tool we have found to be one of the best ways that like we can take that and use that every day. Heck, I use that with my children and my and my partner. And you can also use it with somebody who's like really struggling deeply with their mental health. But that's the simple kind of conversation that we're trying to start and, and trying to get people to be able to have these conversations so that we don't wait until finally somebody feels like they deserve to reach out to a clinical, you know, practitioner because it takes a lot to get to that point. And if we can normalize these conversations every day, we can create less space between these conversations and the therapist or psychiatrist or psychologist or whatever it may be that you might be reaching out to. So all of those are ways that you know we really approach it at Active Minds, recognizing that mental health care can be expensive and it can feel inaccessible and can feel like there's a lot of barriers. And so we want to break down those barriers, especially those emotional and cultural barriers, and create a space where we are talking about it as friends and as family so that we can help people get into that care that we need. And if you're interested in learning more about VAR or Active Minds as a whole, you can always read about it more on our website, which is just activeminds.org, or follow us on social media at, at Active Minds. And how can people get involved? Can people get involved in a way that isn't, oh, I need help? Yeah. 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 But I want to help. So, our role in our work at Active Minds is to mobilize a new generation to talk and think about mental health differently. And so, there are multiple ways to get involved, but the, the biggest is to 
connect with us on our website and our social, find our programs and figure out if there's a program that you want to bring to your community, to your school, whether it's a chapter. We're starting new chapters in in schools, K-12 and colleges all the time, bringing one of our speakers, bringing in our Sin Silence Packing Suicide Prevention Exhibit, or simply sharing our posts on social. All of that is serving to kind of help normalize mental health and mobilize this next generation. And so it's all available on our website. So many different ways to get involved to show that mental health is something that you care about is a kind of bold move right now. You know, it's it things have changed over the past couple of years. We're talking about mental health a lot more now than we used to, but still there are communities and, and families and individuals that still don't talk about it. And so if you are somebody who's comfortable sharing your own story or sharing posts from a mental health organization on social, do it because every little story shared snowballs into more and more and reaching more and more people that you would never really realize that that you were impacting. Well, you are speaking my language, Allison. I mean, I, I've, I've been a huge proponent of mental health for years and years and years now because I know what a struggle it was for me to take that first step to get yeah. help. And then once I got it, I was like, wait, why aren't we all doing this? This yeah. is what we should all do. So thank you for just being you and bringing active minds to us and to Murad. I love this partnership. This has been great. It's also been awesome speaking with another one-eld Allison. Hi, we're rad. <laughs> We are red. It doesn't ever happen. It's so great. I know. I know. So I, I can't wait to see where, where you and this program go for here. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's such a pleasure. And again, we're just so pleased and proud of our partnership with Murad and um, love talking with you today. And we're going to keep talking this language and getting mental health out in the world because uh, it's so needed. And I, and I so appreciate Murad's commitment to helping us talk about mental health and stress and, and how it's all connected and what we can do to make that change. Wonderful. Let's do it. Well, that's it for this episode of Why Is No One Talking About for Well Connected by Murad. Want to get in touch? Leave a comment or DM at Murad Skincare on Instagram or TikTok. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review and connect with us at wellconnected.murad.com. I'm Allison Hayslip. <laughs>